You are now entering Armbar Audio. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Armbar Audio. I'm your host, Tim Farley, and across the screen from me is my brown brother. Sis Shriram, what a do, everybody. And today we have, an, we're not going to actually talk much about stuff like, hey, how you doing, whatever, because we are both doing great, especially after Sunday night. Because, Tim, what happened on Sunday? It was a, a dream, oh. and it had some wrestling. It was a wrestle dream. I had a wrestle dream. That one day, my four <laughs> little children. And anyway, it's no. like if Mark, Tony Khan is the rest is the is, is wrestling is Martin the wrestling Luther King. Martin Luther King. Oh, you oh we we're gonna get so <laughs> we're gonna get so trolled by the e drones. It's gonna be fun, but whatever. Anyway, so uh, I think e drones watch it. Yeah, but I'm just saying, you know, they'll come in and they'll see this and be like, "Oh, fucking AEW marks." Yeah, you're. Oh, we're gonna. Um... Anyways, I was just. Kidding. Hey, here's what I say, okay? Uh-huh. And I was gonna save this. I was gonna save this until we talked about Adam Copeland. Um, watch what you like. Mm-hmm. Enjoy what you like. And then you won't have to bitch and complain. Yeah. That's all. I know. It's uh, so simple. I'll yeah. get more into that whenever we talk about uh, Adam Copeland and yeah. the uh, and the media scrum. Yep, because that's what uh, we're going to do. Sid and I, we were going to do a preview and prediction show, but then we were like, nah. And then we were going to do a post show right after, but right after is the media scrum. Who's going to watch us? And also, what kind of information will be available after the media scrum? So, yeah. here and we also, are. And also, we were both tired as hell. 24 hours removed. <laughs> yep. That's, that is true. Yep. So, uh, we're going to run down the card from the pre-show to the end, and we're going to talk a little bit about the scrum. Um, Sid, what was the first match? The first match, I actually have the slideshow. The first match was... A four-on-four mixed tag match. We had the team of Shane Taylor, Lee Moriarty, Mercedes Martinez, and Diamante taking on Athena, minion number two, formerly known as Billy Starks. Uh, the glo- no bask in his glory for he is glory. No, fuck it, I don't know what the song is, but anyway, bask in his glory for he is limitless. Keith Lee and the leader of Bread Club, Satoshi. Kojima. Now, I gotta say, for you know, I'll say that in the end. But I thought this was a fun match. I I loved a lot of different moments. I love the fact that Athena wanted to mix it up with Shane Taylor at one point. That was that was hilarious. Um, I loved uh, Billy Starks getting to do some things. I know she is an Armbar Audio alumni. Our boy John interviewed her, and that was actually a really good interview. I was actually listening to it when I got when I was getting my car washed. So, you know, there's that. But anyway, yeah, everybody showed out in this match. Yeah, two 
two armbar audio alumni in that match. And uh, mm-hmm. this camera is really annoying. Um, I got to say, I really enjoyed it. Um, I liked... I like Shane Taylor and Keith Lee's interactions, oh, especially yeah. whenever Keith Lee just fucking manhandled Shane. Um, I liked uh, the cohesion, the cohesion between Billy and Athena. Um, there was a point where Mercedes was going to run down Billy Starks, and Athena actually pushed her out of the way and took the bump, yeah. which was interesting to me because I thought Athena was kind of like treating her. Like, you know, negatively. Yeah, like a means to an end. Um, My favorite part of the match... Part of the match was actually the ending. The beginning of the end. Uh, As you said, Sid, Mm -hmm. um, Athena wanted to mix it up with Shane Taylor. Now, we are starting to get hints at intergender wrestling in AEW. Because a couple of weeks ago, when Willow was wrestling Julia Hart, she was going to do the cannonball in the corner, and she started barking and mocking Brody King. So, but then we actually did get Athena hitting the oaf that turned into uh, Keith Lee's finisher, and then Lee held him up for Kojima's lariat. Uh, this was a fun match, like you said. I agree. Yep. Um, it was what it was, and uh, we'll continue to see Athena and Starks. We're going to continue to see Mercedes and Diamante go, and Shane Taylor Promotions with their feud with Keith Lee. Yeah, and I'm glad it was there. Yeah, and I'm the, very glad it was there. Yeah, and the team of uh, Kojima. I'm a fan of yeah. every person in the match. Yeah, just about. Yeah, and by the way, the winners were the team of. Kojima and Lee and Starks and Athena, in case you were wondering. But yeah, like overall fun match. Yeah, uh, I said that about the Larry. Shit. No, I'm I'm sorry. I was just I was pulling up the I was pulling up the match results on my phone, which is on silent by the way, so it won't freaking annoy you. All right. Anyways, but um, Thank enough you. about that. Enough about my annoying ass phone. Uh, let's go on to the next match. That was. I couldn't believe this fucking match was on the zero hour. But we had the we had the uh freaking Claudio Castagnoli versus Josh fucking Barnett. And I forgot his moniker, but it was awesome. The, the War Master. The War Master, yeah. I, I kept wanting to say King Master, but I was like, that doesn't sound right. I knew it was something master. But yeah. Yeah, that doesn't even make sense. It to me. doesn't make sense, no. King Maker makes sense, yeah. but anyway. So I'll tell you. This match got the en- enough time that it needed. And uh this was the first of three matches that John Moxley would be on commentary for. Uh um, oh, I loved it. I want to hear more John Moxley on commentary. It is very obvious how much he loves pro wrestling. And just, it it, it, it was great. great. And I'll get more into that, especially when we talk about Zack Sabre Jr. and Brian Danielson. 
For sure, but yeah. This match delivered for me. I was very happy to see how how serious it was. And, you know, it started because it came about because Claudio lost the Ring of Honor title and he was looking for a challenge. And they were deeming, um, they were talking about how Barnett was Anoki's student um, and how he, he was like handpicked to start a ocean for Anoki. Um, and if you know anything about Josh Barnett, he's done blood sport for GCW in recent years. And him and Mox are really good friends. Mm -hmm. And Mox did not um, pull. He pulled back the the curtain on commentary by saying that. Yeah. And um, I liked how unbiased he was with the commentary as well. It was good. Um, Claudio won. And... Barnett grabbed the mic and said, you won my respect. I heard from peers and from all kinds of people about you and what they said was right. But you are not at your peak yet. And I am uh, I'm proud of what you'll be able to do. And he said, but you owe me more time. Mm. And I will be back to get it in one way or another. Now, nice. when I was watching this match before Barnett spoke and knowing the relationship between him and Moxley and him and Danielson and also just his background, I thought, you know, Regal left. Could Barnett possibly be taking that's, the role of the manager? Of that's the exactly what I was thinking. Club? But uh, but it's not going to happen, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but I really like this, and I like that they gave us something to look forward to as well. And sure. he said he said it didn't have to be in AEW or something. He, he kind of said it was like somewhere sometime. So maybe we'll see Claudio in uh, a GCW Josh Barnett fight club, which will be... Yeah, you know, pretty exciting. Ridiculous, and I'd love it. I, well, I I kind of want to see Josh Barnett. Now I want to see him in a go for the pure title and have a match against Shibata, just because that match would absolutely rule. And I'm and I'm sure they've had a match already before, but televised. I haven't I haven't seen it myself, so I would love to watch that. I don't shit. know. I mean, like I I wouldn't be surprised no, if be, if that it's, would be really good. Yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised if we. But Josh, you know, Josh Barnett. I said I wouldn't be surprised if we dug. Get that down the line. Yeah, no, I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if I dug through the annals of YouTube and found it at some point. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they have had a yeah, hey, 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 come on now, not that it's not that kind of show, okay? Anyway, but uh, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't think their paths crossed, but. But I wouldn't be surprised if. But if it did, I, uh, yeah. Barnett is a lot like. My God, we're so off sync. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was just everything. I was just I'll laughing. Say what I have to say. I was just laughing. I'm good. I'm just marking out about the prospect oh. of a, 
of a Barnett right. Shibata match. Because I've been I've been working on myself and I've been working on not interrupting you. And last episode it was great. And now we're off to a fucking train wreck on that end. But anyway, Josh Barnett um is much like Kota Bushi. He's he, he does yeah. what he wants when he wants. So like I wouldn't I wouldn't like uh he might show up in AEW again, but I don't think it's gonna be like a a long term thing or even like a long short term thing. Mm-hmm. Um the third match was Luchasaurus against Nick Wayne. Yep. And um we got a we got to see a lot of uh Miss Mill. Interesting. I I was surprised she didn't jump out of the freak off the freaking barricade and try to get involved in the match. <laughs> well, when Luchasaurus had her had him near her, she was like begging uh but this this match was you know what it was nick yeah. wayne got to show off uh you know his stuff and luchasaurus you know ended up killing him yeah but and, you know it it, it it was what it was yeah but this is not the last that we would see of young wayne tonight but it was fine uh decent match <laughs> Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. Yeah, he came out with Birdman. That's what happened. That's 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 it, guys. Yeah. Came out with Birdman, and they sang "Stuntin' Like My Daddy." <laughs> <laughs> Stuntin' Like My Daddy. Uh, Stuntin' Like My Daddy. That was ah uh, high school. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Young Stuntin'. <laughs> yep. Anyway, and uh, then we finished off the pre-show with uh, the acclaimed. Putting on their uh, the trios title, AEW trios titles against TMDK of uh, bad bad dude Tito, Mikey Nichols, and Shane Haste. And um, you know, this match I didn't really pay too much attention to, and I'm sorry. Sorry. So why don't you talk about it? Um, it was it was good. It was a good match. I mean, two good teams. Mixing it up. I mean, what do you what do you expect? Um, I will say this though, and I and I tweeted this out, but you know, Shane Thorne and Mikey Nichols for a lot of people who for people who may not remember, they were actually in NXT as TM61, and then later on the Mighty when they like turned heel, and they were both really good at you know in the in in NXT, but it's so and then of course you know. Mikey Nichols left, you know, got the... And before NXT, they yeah. were really good at Noah. Okay, I did not know that. And, uh, yeah, and I think, like, Mikey Nichols did the smarter thing and kind of got the got the fuck out of Dodge at you know, at some point. And then Shane Thorne, yeah, we don't know what happened. Uh, speaking of, the, they did make uh, the acclaimed, uh, you know, Max Castor and his rap made references to tentacle porn and uh retribution so that was i got a good chuckle out of that and i got i got a laugh out of it i was i was dead that was awesome and um yeah but overall good match uh guns and not guns billy gun and the acclaim they win the match and scissor me daddy ass so 
that's all we got to say. But that, yeah, see, yeah, go ahead. To me, it was like, for me, that match was like, I already know who's going to win, so I don't really give a shit. Like, I would have loved it if. This is the thing. This is one of the things that I don't like about the AEW and New Japan partnership. Unless it's furthering an AEW storyline like Sonata and Jungle Boy, Mm -hmm. the New Japan talent usually, most usually lose. How fucking interesting would it have been if TMDK just came in and won those titles off on a pre-show out of nowhere, and now you have Bowens, Caster, and Billy you know, going after them in Japan. Like, I I don't know. I feel like there could be so much more to this new connection. Yeah. But whatever. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, Tony Khan has thinking about something. I mean, something about new era. Hopefully that new era uh, includes more Japanese wrestlers beating no, more Japanese wrestlers uh, than just Shibata beating some of the American talent. But, hey, we'll see. Anyway, uh, now that was the final yeah, match of the pre-show. As well. Oh, yeah, Takeshita. That's right. Now we are at the final. That was the last match of Zero Hour. And let's get into the main show. And that started with MJF, the hour scumbag MJF. Better than you, one half of better than you, baby, defending the ROH tag team titles against the Righteous all on his own because Adam Cole, one, has a foot injury, and two, Roderick Strong is being the obsessive, toxic girlfriend and wants Adam by his side at all times. Um, you know. That's all. Speaking of Roderick Strong, there, I read a lot of previews and predictions for this show, and a lot of people thought that Roderick Strong was going to be MJF's uh, opponent. Partner. A partner. And oh. no, they thought he was going to be his partner, and I was like, that doesn't make sense at no, all. No, it doesn't. Like, no. why would he do that? He's against yeah. MJF. What, to just try and get Adam's attention? I, I don't know. I thought it was dumb. But <laughs> I thought this match was fun. Um, I liked when MJF said, you know, I'm not the guy who went after Jay White. I don't have to do that. Yeah. And by the way, fat ass, I'm going to body slam you. And then I'm going to take your dreads and shove them straight up his ass. And... The great thing about Babyface MJF, one of the great things, is that he could take the most rudimentary moves, like the double clothesline and a body slam and a dumb drop kick, and make the fans chant for it. And I love it. Yeah. Um, this match was fun to me. Yeah. Uh, I was waiting for Vincent's head to go up Dutch's ass. And it, it did. It happened once, and then it, it eventually did. 
And it did. It was awesome. And I just kept saying, and once he body slammed Dutch, I said, Vincent, get the fuck. You don't want your head up his ass. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. No. But uh, it was entertaining. And M- MJF, um, MJF in the media scrum said that, you know, people are going to, like, clap and mark out for the 450s and this and that. But if I, I can get you to mark out just as much or harder with doing less than I am. And and instead of putting that stuff down where he would, what he would have done when he was a heel, he said the variety is good. And there's so many flavors of pro, pro wrestling. So he's not bashing it. He's just saying, this is my style yeah. and I'm proud of it. Yeah. You know, this is my so flavor of I, ice I cream. That was, That's what he said. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. That's that's yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. I like that, and uh, yeah, I mean, heel MJF has has grown on me for sure. Not heel face MJF. Sorry, it's it's late for both of us, and it's affecting me more than it's affecting you apparently. But no, um, yeah, heel face MJF. I almost did it again. Face MJF is growing on me. Uh, who attacked Jay White? We'll see. I'm I'm pretty sure. The kingdom had something to do with it. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure, but um, obviously Adam Cole at some point. I'm just. You think it was the kingdom? I think it was LFI. That would have been cool, but unfortunately, unlike what you want and what I want, Andrade is still not with them. That's the only time I would want to see that happen, is if Andrade is there too, along with LFI. But I pray to God that at some well, point they- it happens. They haven't come. They haven't come back, and uh, yeah, uh, we will see. The next match was uh, Eddie Kingston, Kingston, right? Versus Shibata for Eddie the, Kingston versus Shibata. Yeah, for the New Japan. What a fucking war! Yeah, it was for the New Japan uh, Strong Openweight Championship and the Ring of Honor World Title. And oh my god, that was this was good. I mean, I love yes. Shibata's pure matches, all the ones that I've seen, but this shit was awesome. Like this shit, just mixing it up with Eddie Kingston. I yes. yeah, it was it was just dope as fuck. But yeah, it was one of the many wars on this show, and I really liked it, and I liked how they mentioned and like Shibata and Rocky Romero were out there with Anoki's grandsons at the beginning of the show and And Christian Cage was watching how they talked about Shibata's dad being a wrestler and yeah I was going to get to that later and um, Shibata's dad being a referee and a wrestler under Anoki and um Kind of Enochism versus King's Road. Uh, yes. Because, you know, uh, Eddie loved the four pillars in um, all Japan. And I just thought this it was a great hard hitting war. You know? Yeah. That, and it's so cool because, like, those two styles 
you know, finally, you know, meeting together on national pay-per-view for all of of the people to see. I mean, this is two, you know, styles that are native to Japan and, and we're doing it here in America. Like worldwide. Worldwide. I mean, they did it in America and then broadcasted it worldwide. And so I think that we were in for a treat with this match and uh obviously Kingston retained but shook Shibata's hand. Uh and it was it was great. It was a great, great showcase. Please watch this match. It was it was really good. So with that, let's go yes. to the next uh, did you have anything else to say or you can we move on to the next match? No? Let's go. All right, let's do it. Up next, we had Chris Statlander, the TBS champion, defending her title against Julia Hart, who has really come into her own now, especially. I mean, yeah, after joining House of Black, you know, obviously her character changed, but I feel like now she's. Um, yeah. I liked how commentary. She, I was just saying that she has really come into her own, you know, in this character and started to feel more comfortable with what she's been given to do. So that, that's all I was saying. I think also, um, I liked how commentary pointed out that she was on a 25 match win streak. And the last time she lost was on my birthday. Uh, in 2021 against Chris Statlander. And another thing that people need to think about when they're talking about the growth of Julia Hart is not just her getting in with the House of Black, as much as that is a big deal, but it's also the caliber of and, and places she's been given. Um you know, she's not just wrestling jobbers for a squash match on dark or dark elevation anymore. Right. Uh, and I think, I think with opportunity comes, comes experience and comes like, I got to show out, you know? Yeah. I've been, I've been sure. on dark, but now I'm on a rampage. I've been on rampage and now I'm on a dynamite, you know? Um, just like, I mean, it was another war. These these women brought it, and um, there was a lot. There was a lot of good stuff on the outside. Um, there was a lot of, like, Julia went for her moonsault, and she it was squandered at, at first. But then she hit it. Um, it was a hard hitting affair. She tried to do the heartless, but that backfired on her and Chris Statlander is one of the most powerful women in all of wrestling and she oh, showed yeah. it oh, because yeah. at the end near the end of that match he was she was woman handling her <laughs> um she hit like two or three big moves in a row like a tombstone and then the Sunday night fever yep but she did some other shit but uh you know, the right woman won, but out of this match, so many people uh, are are talking about Julia Hart, and that's that's a good thing. It is. 
because at some point she will be back and you know they're really putting a lot they're definitely putting stock in in julia hart mm-hmm. and, and i'm glad to see it you know she's come like i said she's come a long way from doing the whole cheerleading shit with brian pillman jr and griff garrison and you know now she's with house of black speaking of which uh it looks like brian pillman jr has made the jump to wwe and he's you know there's like promos of some dude watching like old brian pillman promos i think i think that's uh brian pillman jr so hey good for him also good yeah. for uh i don't think we talked did we talk about this last week but good for jade cargill good for him yeah we'll yeah. we'll talk about it when we get to the scrum okay all right because right. tony Khan had a lot to say about yeah that. yeah i had some interesting info um, on that. so let's go to the next match which was the... No, fuck it. We'll talk about it right now. All right. Tony Cohen was asked about. You can't hear me. There's there's something. There's some technical difficulties happening here. No, I can... That's why we're interrupting each other. I can hear you. I, I'm good. I know. Something's on a delay. I, I, I can tell. Um, but anyway, we'll talk about it right now. Tony Cohen was asked about Jade Cargill, and. He had nothing but good things to say, and he said the door's always open, and I wanted, I wanted her to, I wanted to give her, a, her a respectful send off. Yep. And the match with Statlander was probably Jade's best match, and the way things happened was really good. The thing is, the funny thing is, all right, I'm a wrestling fan. But obviously, I love AEW. When it was announced that Jade Cargill was going to WWE, I didn't get upset. I wasn't mad. Because Jade Cargill presents herself like a superstar. She wrestles like someone in WWE. It was the right move. Now... Let's say she becomes a household name in WWE. And let's say a couple years down the line, she comes back to AEW. Now her stock is even more. Well, even if she never does come back to AEW, AEW treated her like a star from day one. And from what she said, she has nothing bad to say about the company. She said a bunch of good things. So it's nice. It, it, you're going... As there, as there's more viable companies for the boys and girls to go to and make money, you are going to see people from your favorite promotion jump ship, whether that's AEW or WWE or whatever. I mean, Tony Khan was asked about Katsuhiko Nakajima, who's one of my favorite wrestlers, who just finished out in Noah, and apparently both parties are interested. Yep. If Nakajima comes to AEW, I'm going to bust a nut. I'm not going to lie. And I hope that his fans in Japan and his fans in Noah become invested in AEW if he does come. That's the thing. Peter and Edge, Adam Copeland said this in his, uh, he, he wrote a very, probably a four-thread tweet today. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you're a fan of acronyms, this isn't for you. Like, if you're a fan of wrestling, if you're a fan of me, 
I'm not going to change. And I know I'm jumping ahead here, but it, it, it all kind of coincides with what I'm saying. And it coincides with what I said at the beginning of the show. You like wrestling. If you like this, you like that, just watch it and be happy. There's no reason for you to just like, I don't get the mentality of just always wanting to fucking bitch and complain. I don't get it. Uh, yeah. It's ridiculous. So many people today, all a bunch of WWE acronym uh, lovers, were saying the most ridiculous shit about Adam Copeland. And it's just like, why? Did you listen to his media scrum? He said he said his daughter was like, why don't you go have fun with Uncle Jay? How could you get butt hurt about that? Like, that is like one of the most wholesome things I've ever heard in wrestling. People are fucking stupid. I don't know how many times I say that on this show, but as long as they keep giving me reasons to say it, I'm going to keep saying it. People are fucking stupid. Now... We could talk about Edge later, but obviously, you know, I spilt the beans, everybody. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Adam Copeland's in AEW. <laughs> yeah. All the e Fuck. All the WWE acronym lovers uh let, you know, your tears are wonderful. Anyways, no, um I'll talk more about that like when we get to towards the end but let's go on to the next match shall we it was a yeah. four-way tag team match and the winner gets an aw tag team title shot at any time we had the young bucks versus the guns the i can't do it uh <laughs> the uh orange cassidy and hook and the lucha bros and I know why you're putting the thumbs down, and I feel the same way. Why? Why? The Young Bucks are the AEW equivalent to the Usos in the New Day. Pretty much. I'm tired of the Young Bucks. I don't give a fuck if that offends you, if that upsets you, if you don't agree with me. I would rather see them doing singles matches. Also, you just won the Ring of Honor Trios Championship with Hangman Adam Page. Yeah. Why do you need an opportunity at the AEW Tag Team titles? Also, we just saw you complete the trilogy with... with Why do I need to see that again? You have... You have two hot acts teaming up together, Hook and Orange Cassidy. You have another blossoming team. Even though they've been tag team champions before, they, since becoming uh, Bullet Club members, the guns are on another level. They're, they're getting to where they're supposed to go. In my opinion, going into this match, I did not expect... Lucha Brothers or 
the Young Bucks to win. And to have the Young Bucks win, it makes me think, especially winning the ROH trios titles as well, it makes me think that it's just one big fuck you to a guy who no longer works there. And that comes off petty, it comes off lame, and it comes off like they're using their EVP status to do whatever they want. That's how it comes off. I don't know yeah. if that's what's really happening, but the outcome of this match made no fucking sense to me. And then whenever I watched FTR and Aussie Open, I said, if Aussie Open wins, I'll be okay with the Bucks winning. So we can get and into that. that. Didn't happen. Oh, so now, all right, fine. Now I'm really annoyed that the Bucks won. The I've seen. No, I'm I'm back on this match. Uh, I one of the best matches in AEW Dynamite history was Nick Jackson against Ray Phoenix. Yeah. One of the best matches in Dax Hardwood's career was a singles match against Matt Jackson. Why why am I getting the trios and the tag shit again? And like like I said, I said they're like the Usos in the New Day because it's like how long are you going to do this? How long are you going to do the same shit? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. And honestly, I kind of feel that way about the Acclaim. I kind of feel that way about the Acclaim. They need to keep things fresh. I said that three months, two or three months ago, and the whole Billy Gunn thing and the House of Black thing happened, and that got me back invested. But I wasn't invested in their match on the pre-show because why would I be? And why would I be invested in the Young Bucks versus FTR again? I've watched three matches of it. I know exactly what the Young Bucks are going to fucking do in a regular ass match. The only time match when they do the crazy matches, you know, like with with like Hasta de la Muerte or, you know, the cage matches where they bust out crazy shit like the thumbtacks in the in the uh in the shoe the or shoe, the exploding yeah. boot or whatever, you know, but I've seen, I've seen, I've seen all that they do all the time. And it's just, it's getting, it's getting tiresome to me and repetitive. I mean, you kind of just said everything that I needed to say. So, uh, yeah, good match. Wrong people won. That's all I can say. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. But with that, I, I'm sorry. You know, you just love wrestling. <laughs> yeah, when I'm passionate about something and something's really good or really bad, then I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go off. No, you you go off. You're good. You're good. You're good. But no, I I think. But no, I for real like, yeah, I have no idea what's going on with that. Like. If, I don't fucking know, but all I hope is, well, I'll talk about my thoughts uh, later on about uh, FTR and everything, but let's go to a match yeah. that I actually really enjoyed, 
And that was Swerve Strickland versus Hangman Adam Page. I'll let you go ahead and talk about this one. So that's all I got. Uh, unlike the previous, <laughs> unlike the previous match, the right person won. Yeah. Adam Page was getting booed out of the fucking building. <laughs> and even so, it was a really, really good match. And I'm just so happy that Swerve is being taken to another level. Um, during the... Uh, I I'm I'm not gonna go move for move. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. I'm just gonna tell you that this is where for me when I watched the pay per view live because I did go back and watch a good portion of the pay per view today because you know I was visiting John's family. We were talking, etc. You get caught up in the moment. This match is where the pay per view live when I was watching it live really came alive to me um i i really am happy with the result and the other things i have to be, say about swerve i will we talk about the post show okay. yeah i i've loved this match i think uh like you said the right person won and i just want you to i wanted to ask you something tim do you know what i do when i drive I swerve when I drive. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love I love Prince Nana. Prince just, Nana's just for the that. best. He is the best. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so let's move on to the next match. That was actually kind of a. A, a, a kind of a low-key dark horse of this pay-per-view and that was absolute ricky starks versus wheeler yuda another match in which john moxley did commentary and i i loved it i liked this match a lot but um you know i think this yeah. was interesting uh, again another interesting clash of styles so you just um it was great. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I sorry. I actually this is one match I didn't pay much attention to, but well, I'll I'll talk about it. Um, Willer Yuta, yeah, uh, is so so technically proficient, and Ricky Starks can get in the ring with anybody and and, and make it a good match. Um, there was a point where John Moxley said, um, uh. uh JR called him pretty Ricky because he was doing the rope walk like Taker. Yeah. But he was like shaking his shoulders and stuff and like showing off. And JR called him pretty Ricky. And John said, Yeah, that's the thing. He's he is pretty, but then he he opens his mouth and it's annoying. So I don't know whether I should fight him or take him on a date. <laughs> and that Pop Jr. real hard. It was it was just good. It was good stuff. Um, I loved I loved how in this match Moxley would take off his headset and and scream uh, coaching stuff to Yuta, um, like trap the head or um, I forget the other things he yelled, but I remember that. 
Um, at some point, Big Bill came out, and he didn't really have an effect because Yuta sent Ricky into him. Um, Ricky ended up winning with the Rochambeau, uh, but he hit this really weird-looking power bomb, and I don't know if it was Yuta's fault that it looked weird or if it was Stark's fault, mm. but I, I was... I. This was this was a nice showing of young AEW talent uh, that the Tony Khan. It's obvious that Tony Khan likes both of them. Um, I will take this time to say that there a couple weeks ago, uh, or maybe a month ago, whenever people started saying that Jade was going to go to WWE, Fightful also kind of said that they wouldn't be surprised if Ricky jumped too. And if I if I'm Tony Khan, um, I do not let that happen at all. Rick, Ricky has been, um, yeah. Ricky Starks and Bullet Club Gold have been the reasons to tune in on Saturday night. And I just, I really hope he doesn't leave. Um, but, um. So let's go to the next match. All righty. So great match. The next one was, oh, the dream match. We got the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, versus the self-proclaimed best technical wrestler, Zack Sabre Jr., who is the current NJPW World TV champion. Now, I know, Tim, you're going to go off on another rant, and that's fine, but I have a rant of my own. The NJPW World TV Championship, I am sorry, is probably one of the worst belt designs I've ever seen in my life. Shit looks like a fucking box. Just <laughs> just tie a, a box with some freaking leather, and there you go. That's your NJPW TV. I, like, I get it. It's a square, so it's supposed to be like a TV, and they're trying to be cute, but it's not working. Change the damn design. Like the the UK the NJPW UK slash US title is your best fucking belt like your best your most prettiest looking belt. Do you don't have to make it like that, but make it palatable to the eyes. Seriously, you know like even the IWGP World Heavyweight title like it took me a while to get used to, but I like it if now. You think, if you and, think that, yeah. If you think that belt design is bad, there was a belt that they also designed around the same time, the King of Pro Wrestling title. Okay. Go look at that one, Sid. And, okay. I'm and, gonna... and, and come back and tell me what you think. I'm, I'm going to look at our up next right... episode. Oh, oh, just do it now. Yeah. Yeah. The King of Pro Wrestling. Okay. You can go ahead and talk about the match. Tell me that shit. Tell me, tell me that fucking title does not look like one of the foam belts you bought as a kid oh yeah yeah i see it damn okay i am pretty sure wow it, it is okay. velcro in the back it looks like it it looks like it but i mean it's not but yeah I... it's is that blue one right that blue one it looks like a cheap piece of shit it's yeah. it's pretty yeah it doesn't it looks like a cheap piece in my opinion it, it just it does it doesn't do anything for me like it 
it just doesn't do anything for me. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, well, sorry, that fucking belts. You guys didn't know it is our resident uh, belt connoisseur. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But I, anyway, I'll take this it. This match was a fucking masterclass in wrestling. It was. This this match was a masterclass in wrestling, and I said that I had more to say about Moxley's commentary, and this is where I'm going to say it. I said that it was obvious that he had love and passion for wrestling, but in this match in particular, the way he talked about Brian Danielson's style and Zack Sabre's style and what he expected to happen and just Everything that John Moxley said on commentary was just, it was like I was listening to a play-by-play guy or an analyst, mm-hmm. analysis, an analyst analysis that had been doing it, analyst <laughs> that has been doing that job forever. His love for Brian Danielson and and just wrestling, technical wrestling, whatever, really shined in his commentary on this match. And it really, as much as the match was fucking amazing, because it was, he added to it. He was able to add mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Um, this match was everything that I expected and more. Because even though Danielson won with two Busaiko knee strikes, Danielson's not happy about it. Yeah. Danielson's right arm was manipulated to fuck. And he he said in a post-match interview and in the media scrum, I'm not happy with the result because I don't feel like I'm the best technical wrestler. I feel that Zach is. Because technic in, in the technical wrestling aspect, he he was bad. I had to resort to my strikes, especially my knees. Um the psychology in this match was great. Um you had especially with it being a technical match, you had one guy going after a limb and another guy going after a limb. Um uh Danielson worked the leg of saber and saber goaded um danielson to use his right arm and as soon as he he transitioned from his left arm for the uh european uppercuts to the right fucking saber shoulder blocked his arm and then just went to fucking town and i I would not be surprised if this match happens again on January fourth. Me neither. I can I can see it. I can see it also be unfortunately for that shitty ass title, but I wouldn't mind it one bit. At least I know because it is Danielson's run, last run. It pretty much. He's pretty much going on his retirement tour at this point. I don't think it would be for the title because. Sid, Sid, I don't know if you know this about that title, 
There's stipulations. I don't. It's a 15 minute title, which which is perfect for Zack Saber Jr. because he had a great. Um, so you're going in the ring with the best technical wrestler in the world, and you're trying to beat him in 15 minutes. Oh, okay. And he had a great feud with Jeff Cobb over it because, you know, he he won by the skin of his teeth the first time, and then the second time, uh, time ran out for Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb would have won. And then Jeff Cobb beat him in the G1, but it wasn't for that title. Uh, the title, that title being on Zack Sabre Jr. is perfect, but I don't think that if they wrestled again, it would be for that title, and it doesn't have to be. This is all yeah, about who is the technical master, and and Danielson is not convinced that he is. He's not convinced that he's better than Sabre. Yeah, and I love it. I love. I love. I love the whole story. Yeah, and on January fourth. Yeah, and in that case, I mean, I guess January fourth, if it happens at Wrestle Kingdom, I mean, I'm I am guessing that Sabre would win that match and I would be more than happy about it. I don't care. I would love to see that and then yeah, I mean and obviously eventually they do a rubber he match. He should. Because when someone's Yeah, I'm go ahead. No, he he should win because if you're on a retirement tour, you should you should be putting people over. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to run back Ricky Starks and Danielson toward the end of his run, and Starks is going to win. This was to set up Danielson passing the tur- the torch to Sabre. There is an award for the best technical wrestler, and it was called the Brian Danielson Award. And... Zack Sabre Jr. has won that award more than Brian Danielson. There's no doubt in my mind that they're going to meet again and that Danielson's going to lose. Yeah. I mean, even now, like... And it's going to be fucking awesome. (laughs) Right. And even now, like, Danielson didn't really feel like a winner. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense. But... What a fucking match, man. Like, this like this is exactly... I think, like, because Danielson, even in the post-match, said this is the kind of match I wanted to wrestle. And I guess I'll, I'll say this, too. In the post... In the scrum, like, he literally said when in he was... In his whole life. Yeah, in his whole life. And he said in, he like, in WWE, he wrestled Tony Nese in Seattle for, like, four minutes. And now he's putting on this master class with Zack Sabre Jr. Like, that's... Like, that's awesome. You know, like, I'm so happy for him. And and honestly, like, I love Brian Danielson. I don't want to see him retire. Another thing. But, yeah, oh, go ahead. Another thing that I loved about this match, and he taught, he addressed it in the media scrum as well. Um, at the end, he raised Aubrey Edwards' hand. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was because, nice. because when he retired in Seattle, Aubrey, they made a meme of her because she was the crying Brian Danielson fan. And she's from that area. And 
it was just like this full circle moment that was not lost on me before he even explained it at the scrum. I, I thought it was great. Yeah, I loved it. That was good. And also, they have to wrestle again because Zach didn't shake his hand. I'm guessing Danielson won't when he loses. Just to be like, well, fuck you too, bitch. <laughs> he might. All right. Anyways, we can sit here and gush over this match, but we got a couple more matches to talk about. And the next match was a six-man tag match. Chris Jericho teaming up with the Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi versus the Don Callis family, which consists of Sammy Guevara, Konosuke Takeshita, Takeshita, and Will Ospreay for some reason. But okay, fine. Um, first of all, I gotta say, the Titan Tron was literally just the Last Supper, but with Don Callis and Sammy and Takeshita and Osprey in strategic places. And I was like, dude, I'm I'm dead. I'm fucking dead. Like, he's one of those villains who takes himself too fucking seriously. Well, He's one of those villains who takes but himself too seriously. Yeah, good, good, good. Sorry. If if you know anything about Christian, if you know anything about Christian theology, the Last Supper happened the night before Jesus died. Yeah, that I know. And Callus was in the position of Jesus, so I kept asking, "Does that mean tomorrow Don Callus is going to die?" Like. Is he saying is he saying he's dying tomorrow? What the fuck? I don't know, man. Like that's what I'm saying. Don Callis, he's one of those villains Check who the newspapers that he died today. I don't know. We'll find I'll, I'll I'll look it up later. No, um Don Callis is one of those villains who takes himself too damn seriously. But I I love it. Because he, he's like one of those guys he yeah, he's like that. And he's also a really absolutely douchey-ass villain that you just want to see him get his ass whooped. And it's awesome. Um, I loved, I really liked this match. I would say that Jericho was like the real MVP of this match. Uh, I loved seeing Murder Ibushi again. That was great. That was great. Uh, and the, first, the first slap. When he when he lifted his head, and Osprey was the first one, and he just slapped the living fuck out of him. Oh my god, I loved it so much. And fans of the Golden Lovers who were upset that they didn't get to see a lot of Golden Lovers stuff in the uh, Blood and Guts match, they got to see some of it. In this match, uh, Takeshita, every time he's in that ring, he looks better and better. And uh, Sammy Guevara is finally in the position that he will thrive in. Because everybody hates him anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, the thing is, people hate him because he's married to Ty Conti. It's stupid, but whatever. Um... I think finally, yeah, Don Callis family. I, I kind of hated him before that. Yeah, and now they, they're having a baby. I mean, congratulations, but that's 
but it, everyone's like, congratulations, but fuck you. <laughs> anyway, but um, yeah, finally, you know, we did have, uh, I believe, to, uh, you know, we did have Don Cal's family going over, I think, to catch the pinned Jericho or Kenny, one of those guys. And uh, that's how this match was over. And it was good. It was, oh, yeah, wait, no. It was Don Callis. Will Ospreay held off both. Don Callis hit Jericho with a baseball bat, and someone pinned Jericho, I think. I think that's what it was. Yeah. It was uh, Sammy. It was Sammy because... Oh, okay, that makes sense. Will Ospreay was holding back both Golden Lovers. And I was like, how is he holding both of them back? How is he holding both of them back? And then by the time the pin was over and they came back to them, Takeshita was there too holding on. But I, I, I was like, this doesn't make sense. How is Will Ospreay strong enough to hold back both Kenny Omega and Kota Bushi? I'm... I'm it pissed me off. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> I don't know, man. Just taking some extra vitamins these days. Who knows? I mean, just them, them Flintstones gummies. Them Flintstones gummies, man. They, they, they'll do it to you. Anyway. <laughs> it's that fucking cupping shit. Yeah. <laughs> the cupping shit. Oh, I miss Pop-Up so much. I miss, I miss Pop-Up. Anyway. I'm, yeah, I'm coming. Like I told you, I'm coming back next year. Yeah, I promise you, I'm coming back next year, and we'll do a. Li- hey, I'm gonna say it right now. I'm coming back next year to to Pittsburgh, and we're gonna do a live armbar audio. Okay, we are gonna do it. All right. Anyway, it's gonna be awesome. It's yeah, gonna be awesome for sure. Anyways, we're having him. We're going to do an episode while you're here. We're going to have him on. For sure. Yeah. You just can't say ring full of, you know, that. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you got to tell us, okay, you can't say that, okay, on on. So camera. anyway. All right, next match. <laughs> next match. Uh, we had uh, a match that I should have been very excited for, but just because of something that, because of the match we had previously, I wasn't. Uh, Aussie Open versus FTR for the AW Tag Titles. Uh, FTR won, whatever. But I mean, it was a good match, I guess. But I don't know, man. Just didn't really. It was a good match. Yeah, but I, I wasn't feeling it. I'm. I think I feel the same way, and I think it's twofold. Number one, yeah. knowing that the Bucks won kind of made me eh. but also the match play I've been more excited to watch this match if it didn't if it didn't happen in between the trios match that I was looking forward to and the main event like it was kind of like okay I need a breather but from what I watched and what I saw, Aussie Open were awesome. I liked how they hit the Shatter Machine, and um, but they but they need uh, they need cash in the face, and a lot of stuff at the end was awesome, like the the um, 
spike pile driver on the apron and then like the super shatter machine where uh the one of the one of the fucking FTR guys came off the top rope for it um i don't know if it really happened or what but mark davis may have shattered his wrist uh also i think ray phoenix is actually really injured and at this point again ray phoenix i know we we already talked about this but like if at this point if i'm ray phoenix i i I would be rethinking my career um but anyways yeah uh with the bucks winning earlier in the night i really wanted aussie open to win at this point uh and that didn't happen but it was a really good tag match and yeah um you know yeah but speak okay so speaking of ray phoenix uh someone did ask at the on the scrum uh, to tony about any other injuries and you know obviously darby was wearing a cast but he said other than that and adam cole i think we're i think we were okay so he said that but i don't know because like you said ray phoenix didn't show up for the for like the second half of the match like it was penta all by himself so i don't know man if if if, if and there, there were candid pictures of him being taken out yeah but we're having uh like by, by doctors we are having uh nick jackson take uh, i believe is it this i don't know if it's this wednesday or next wednesday we are having nick jackson take on ray phoenix for the international championship coming up so i don't know we don't know so if he was yeah because i mean if he was injured he would probably either i mean he wouldn't relinquish the title knowing tony khan he would make like an interim international champion but you know i I don't know man like I, i just hate it every time i don't know what it is but i of course hate it when injuries happen but when it's Ray Phoenix, I'm like, God damn it. That man Every can't catch a break. Every time Phoenix starts to get... Every time he starts gaining steam in AEW, something happens to him. And it's so sad because I've said it multiple times, man. He, When I watch him, it's like I'm watching old Rey Mysterio. Like, I feel like that. And... I don't know if it's his style or if it's the style in which he wrestles with certain people. Um, but yeah, bummer. Um, so yeah, after this match was the main event. Yes, it was. And it fucking delivered. It did. Majorly. Um, we got to see more of Milf Wayne during this match and i will i'll never complain about that no um the first fall happened with a roll-up by darby allen and then christian just went fucking crazy and just threw this man onto steel steps off of the apron like twice and got a count out win and while he's being put on a stretcher he did a hit a frog splash and that was already after he started part the ring oh yeah Uh, and and at this point you're like holy shit christian like are you trying to win the match or are you trying to kill someone like (laughs) 
Oh yeah, it was it was absolutely nuts. And then, uh, I mean, Darby did after some time, you know, get his second win and got the upper hand for a little bit. Uh, then Nick Wayne came out and grabbed the TNT title, and it looks like he was about to hit Christian, but he decks Darby in the head instead, and Christian gets the pin. And okay, right, yes, and everything he said. Yeah. Everything he said, he was like, bring the promo from weeks ago where Darby was like, I'm sorry what happened with me and your family towards the end and that I wasn't there. And he, while Nick Wayne's screaming this, I'm remembering it. And I'm like, he's going to fucking hit Darby. And he hit him. And they cut to Wayne's mom. And she, she couldn't believe it either. Which I thought was awesome. Like, yeah. uh, and then, <laughs> yeah, we had, we had the, and that's how he won, right? Like you said. And here's another piece of information. Um, so they really milked the, the ending to this pay per view, in my opinion. You know, you had Luchasaurus come down after Sting came down. And, like, you know, I see Sting come down. I'm like, fuck. You know, like, I want it to be Edge, you know? And um, John's mom pointed out that for several weeks, um, Christian has been trying to use the concerto, but something always happens to where he can't do it. Like, something always thwarts it. Yeah. He goes to do the concerto to Sting, and the lights go out. And then we see on the Titantron a, a picture, like a video of like a muscle car, and it's driving towards the arena, the Climate Pledge Arena, amongst fireworks and everything. Someone in a black jacket gets out of it and the lights come back up and then you think you know me <laughs> I see clearly everything is brought to life yep Adam uh, and actually I'll just tell you this I have the graphic of Adam Copeland is all elite uh, on here right now and yeah he is going by the rate <laughs> He is going no, stay right there. He's going by the rated R superstar now again, which is awesome. And and he filed he filed a trademark for legend. Yeah. Which with with the edge in in the middle. Yeah. That's interesting. So, yeah, and uh, oh yeah, so yeah, Adam Copeland came came down and Christian was looking at him like, "What do you want?" And then you know, Copeland was asking him for the chair. Obviously, I mean, I knew he wasn't going to do it, but it looked like he was going to hit Sting, but he hits Nick Wayne on his bandaged ribs instead, throws the chair at Luchasaurus, hits, I'm sorry, but his spear still sucks, uh, hits the spear, uh, Cage gets the fuck out of Dodge, Nick, he hits Nick Wayne with a fairly better looking spear, and, you know, Darby and Sting recover, they all shake hands, and that's how... Wrestle Dream ended with 
the uh, yeah. I'll say this: I don't agree with you. I love his spear. Eh, okay, but, fine. It's just like he picks you up and puts you down like that. You know, I think, and I'm sorry. In my opinion, Roman Reigns has the best spear. That's just me, but it is what it is. Yeah. I think my favorite spear was old school Rhino. Yeah, the gore. Like not now, but back in the day. Yeah. That the gore was, was good. Devastating. Yeah. But uh yeah, so the new era is a rated R era. And and um immediately we go into the scrum and we Edge is the first one there. And Edge basically was saying how he whoever needs help or wants help he's going to be there for them and he's not a back in my day type of dude he he's excited to work with a plethora of people new and old that he hasn't wrestled he mentioned that that was the first time he's ever been in the ring with sting he talked about the prospect of samoa joe um he talked about swerve he talked about Kenny. All kinds of dudes. At Kenny Omega. He was like, it was the first time we met. We just met, like, right now. And he was like, that's crazy to me. And he mentioned John Moxley, too, because um, when he retired was, like, a year after Moxley start, like, a year before Moxley started. And then whenever he came back, Moxley, I think, was wasn't around. Yeah, he was um, he was an AW by that time. Yeah, so I mean, you could tell how excited Ed, uh, Adam was to be there, and you know, when you Edge Edge pretty much wrestled his entire career in one place. Yeah, yeah, he, he did everything he could there. Pretty much, now, yeah. Uh, what was your longest? What has been your longest job? My longest my longest job uh, was actually probably when I worked in retail for a year. I worked at the printing. Okay, place. so a year. My longest tenure job was probably like six. When you get a new job, yeah, after spending so much time, and time is relative, so maybe that year was long to you. Yeah. Spend so much time at one job, and then you get an opportunity to go to another job. You're always, you have this nervous energy. It's a mixture of like, am I going to be good enough for this, that? And also, you're excited because you're starting something new. Right. And and that's how it came off to me. Um, you know. Yeah. I, I, it, it it seems like, you know, there's new life that's in Adam by coming to AEW. Mm-hmm. And um, he was so, he was just so geeked out during the scrum. He he didn't want to stop taking questions. And it, I, it, it was just lovely to see. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, he had seat for so far had a much better disposition with the locker room, uh, you know, now than, you know, more than, you know, I don't want to talk about it. Pepsi but, Phil. 
the Mr. Pepsi. Yeah, Pepsi Phil McMuffin. Anyways, um, <laughs> so like I think you know obviously I think you said this, but you said who needs punk when you have Edge, but it's like, but yeah, that's that's so true because like Edge has a way more of a wealth of knowledge and that's amazing, but it's so crazy because like you said. Edge has wrestled in one, or Adam Copeland has wrestled in one company, pretty much his entire career, except when he was Sexton Hardcastle. But now, like, because even so many people in his, you know, group, the Hardys, the Dudleys, even Christian, they've all gone to other places and wrestled and came back to WWE and came back, wrestled other places, came back to WWE, so on and so forth. Edge never left. He always stayed. So to see Adam Copeland come to AEW in this way, it's like, oh, shit, you know? Because we thought after that match he had with Sheamus on, I think it was Raw, we thought he was done. Like, SmackDown. Yeah, we thought he was oh, on SmackDown. Sorry. But we thought he was retiring. We thought, we thought, okay, he's retiring. He's done. He's hanging up the boots. But no. No, he's here. Cause, and that shows how much this man loves wrestling as well and i'm just yeah yeah, like us like you said it's a new place new job new uh, opponents new people to work with um and i'm looking forward to yeah okay yes you have your hand raised tim did you ever listen to edge and christian's podcast unfortunately i never did edge wrestlers on not just from wwe but from everywhere oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was very obvious how much edge loved wrestling like not just wwe he knew about these people and yeah i think all these types of people i think i saw a picture of him wearing a bullet club t-shirt yeah and yeah you know i i recently read that like before he debuted at Royal Rumble, re-debuted at the Royal Rumble. Yeah. He and AW were very close to signing a deal. And apparently, like yesterday, I was reading that a lot of people in WWE thought he was going to show up and in AEW. <laughs> and um, so yeah. uh, I'm just excited. I'm excited to see what happens um, yep. with with Adam Copeland. Yeah, and it looks like his his first match. See what he brings. His first match is going to be with Luchasaurus in a couple of weeks. So looking forward to that. And then uh, on this Wednesday, he will be on Dynamite. And he's going to talk about everything that happened, you know. And obviously, you know, he's going to he's facing Luchasaurus. So you think he's uh, the next challenger for Christian? Is that the feud you think that we're getting next? Um... We're either going to get that or we it'll deviate somehow because I'm pretty sure when Edge does decide to hang up the boots, whether it's in WWE or AEW, he's going to want his last match, his last feud to be with Christian. But, um, yeah. For sure, yeah. This is, uh, I'm happy, man. I'm so happy. This is awesome. Me too. Yeah. Other key takeaways from the scrum for me. Uh, I talked about MJF um, earlier in the show. Um, 
<laughs> Christian is doing the Lord's work. He is. I love. And, I love it. And these media scrums. I I was messaging you last night when we were watching it. Like, the media scrums are supposed to be real, so a lot of the wrestlers uh, break kayfabe. You know, um, you heard Jericho do it when he was talking about Ibushi um, in the match. You heard you you hear it almost every time wrestlers speak, mm-hmm. except MJF usually. Um, but Christian not breaking kayfabe during media scrums it's, is one of my favorite things. It's awesome. Him just annihilating Brian Alvarez was. And like that part where Tony said, Oh, at the beginning of the show, I saw that you were watching intently. And he said, those boys lost their grandfather. And Tony was like, he's always watching. And then Christian was like, I'm always watching. And then like, (laughs) why is this father figure stuff? I love it so much. And he, they asked him, they asked him, what were your first thoughts when you saw Nick Wayne wrestle? And he kept saying, I've never seen Nick Wayne wrestle. The motherfucker commentated Nick Wayne's matches, I think. I, I'm pretty sure he, he was in multi-man matches with Nick Wayne. And he just said, he's a lost boy. He's a good boy. And uh, I'm going to show him the way. And I, like, whenever whenever Adam Copeland came out and they cut to Christian's face, I said, you asshole, why are you here? I'm doing the best work of my career, and you're trying to steal it from me. <laughs> because honestly, because honestly, Christian, out of his entire career right now, he is doing the best fucking work he's ever done in his career. Like, I can't, I can't over, I can't say it enough. It's just amazing. I agree. I totally agree. I, th- I love the whole Christian Cage thing. I love the the fact that he's picking on guys whose fathers are dead. Like that's like his mo now. <laughs> Just if you have a dead dad, he could do it. To, he could do it to Adam Copeland. He could because Adam was raised by a single mother. Yeah, he could. I would love to Locked see it. Up. I would love to see it, though. Another, another thing, uh, another um, scrum that I I thought was very important and very good was Swerve. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah, I I, I really liked it. I think like. He talked a lot about obviously winning in his hometown and and how he has been kind of just he's been like a workhorse anywhere he's been. And at this point, like the fact that they are investing in him and putting a lot of stock in him is awesome to see because I always did. I'm not going to lie. My first exposure to Swerve was in NXT and I liked him in there, even there. I loved him, uh, you know, doing the whole thing with Hit Row and founding Hit Row 
and doing the, all that all that stuff. And then he came here and he did the whole mogul embassies and it, it's been awesome. Uh, like that that man is a fucking star. And I I feel like he needs to I would love to. I, he needs to be in uh, some title picture, whether it is TNT or uh, the TBS. Oh, TBS. Mm. No, not the TBS. The main. The main title. Yes, the main title. Yeah. When he said to Adam Page, "If I had the opportunities that you had, I would already be AEW's first black champion." Yeah. It needs to happen. He needs to be the first AEW black champion, and. Other things that I loved about the scrum with him. Number one, you had Edge mention him. Yeah. You had Jericho and, and Kenny, Kenny mention yeah. him. And Tony brought this up to him. And he was very, he wasn't an asshole heel about it. He was very humble about it. And he was happy, especially because of Jericho, because he said, Jericho has a podcast. He was on shows. He has a band. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to bring my culture to what I'm doing. And I'm trying to bring yeah, what I'm doing to my culture. And he he was basically like saying he wants to be the African-American version of Chris Jericho. And he said, I have two lovely daughters that I rarely see because I this is my mission and he 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 was humble about it but he was also like there was another point where a reporter said who else from this area um would you like to see get opportunities and he said why do i have to tell you why should i tell you i'm not gonna tell you how about y'all go and support these indie companies and go see for yourself and start talking about them because because I had to work really hard to get where I am. Mm -hmm. And Nick Wayne had to work a little less hard, but he still worked hard to get where he is. <laughs> Why don't you make it easier for these people? Why don't you do your fucking jobs? And I was just like, holy shit. That right there was, was fucking not just savage, but it was fucking true. Like, why are you asking me? Ask, go do your fucking jobs. And I, I was just, I, I loved it. Yeah. I, I loved everything about it. And, um, yeah. Something. I forget. Mm. I mean, I think the, yeah, I think you kind of covered everything that you said um, I, that I wanted to talk about too, which. And by the way, and it's not a bad thing. I'm like, I'm glad because, yeah, I think what uh, Swerve has a fucking point. Like, do your research. Go and support these indie indie promotions and these indie, you know, uh, indie wrestlers. And then you'll find right. out who should who should be on AEW or WWE for that matter. So, right. And yeah, but I, there was another. There was another person in the scrum that said something kind of similar. Oh, um, Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson, probably, yeah. Men mentioning Brian Keith. Yeah. Was awesome. To 
That was because dumb. I've been watching Brian Keith on the Indies for two years, and he was saying, not only do I watch our wrestling, our main shows, but I'm also looking at the the indie talent they bring in for ROH or for Rampage, and I think Brian Keith would be great. And I'm just like, fuck yeah, dude! Like Brian Danielson may be odd, but he's so smart. Like, yeah, he's so smart, and he loves wrestling, and I just think, like, MJF said it, their roster is so stacked and so good and on both sides. And I wonder if, I know this is beating a dead horse at this point, I wonder if Warner Brothers Discovery has Tony, has asked Tony only to feature the women, um, like only one women's match, a show or something like that, because it's been obvious for the past few months that more women are getting more screen time, but we're still not at the point where we can have two women's matches on a show. So it's, it's odd to me, but, um, and I, I'd, I'd like to really know why that is, but yeah, because if we're gonna talk about the stacked roster, there is a stacked women's roster as well. There is. I mean, I I was very very excited to see Athena on a AEW pay per view again, even if it was a pre show. Same with Mercedes, and uh, it's just like as good as Chris and Julia Hart were. There could have been another women's match on that show, uh, um, but I digress. Right. Overall, this was a, this was awesome. I, I, I think, I don't think there was like yeah we were disappointed with some of the res- couple of the results, but overall I don't think there was a bad match on this damn card. And, Wrestle Dream absolutely delivered. No, every match was, every match was good to outstanding. Yep. And that's how it is with every AEW pay-per-view, every every Tony Khan produced pay-per-view. And and especially in the past four pay-per-views. Forbidden Door 2, All Out, All, all out. In. All, all In, All Out. All Out, and this. Fantastic. Yep. And I just I just love AEW so much. And I couldn't tell. You know. Really? I couldn't tell. <laughs> also before we leave shout out to my boy the mad dragon Ilya Dragunov for getting the NXT championship finally yes well deserved and yeah I love him please hurry Uh, up and come to AEW so you can have good matches yes (laughs) be on forbidden door man Um, get him anyways um I'm tired. You're tired. Yeah. So, where, wherever you are in the world, whether it's morning, noon, or night, it's night over here. It is. You have a great one, and peace and love to all of you. Hey. Follow the buzzards.